Hi everybody, I got my sister from another Mr. Jasmine here with me today. Say hi Jasmine. Hey! We're driving on our way back from Calaveras State Park. We started out in Modesto. We drove out here to see the Big Tree State Park. We we're looking at all these giant sequoia trees. We tried to hike around for a little bit, went and got some lunch. After our lunch, went back to the park, knocked out this 1.5 mile trail. Got to look at all the sequoia trees again. Now we're headed back to see my brother Justin and hang out with him for about another hour or two before I have to go catch my flight. But in the meantime, we got about a two hour drive. So we're gonna you know, share our, our conversation with y'all. And Jasmine's gonna tell you what it's like for her growing up and how she overcame all of her adversity and found out how to be like true to herself. Have to prompt me. You'll have to ask questions. I'm really bad at just talking. All right. So, what was it like for you growing up? I mean, for the most part, it was fine. Um, you know, my mom worked. My dad worked before he got sick. Um, we lived on like food stamps. I had our kids first until I turned 18. But like for the most part, it was all right. Um, it was just school that was rough because uh, I would try to fit in with kids that weren't for me. I always tried to like hang out with like the black kids because I thought that's where I needed to be because everybody used to make fun of me uh, for hanging out with white people and saying that I spoke like I was a white person. And so I tried to mold myself into being what they thought I should be um, for a long time until that just stopped working for me. How did it stop working for you? I encountered my first bully in the seventh grade. Uh, this girl moved from Florida. Um, she just jumped right into our friend group, so I thought everything was fine. And I guess kids always have to pick one person that they don't like and one person to pick on. And I thought that I had friends, and I thought that people would like stand up for me, and but nobody did. And I was really afraid of this girl because I'd never encountered a bully before. And um, so I quickly saw how quick, how my friends reacted and how they didn't care, uh, how nobody ever stood up for me or just let me, you know, sit alone or cry or be afraid of this girl. Until finally my mom was like, you know, like, stop crying. Like, don't come home crying anymore. Just find new friends. And so I started diving into things that I liked, like music and choir, band. And I started finding more like-minded people like me and so I just started hanging out with them. And when I got to junior high school, in high school, everything changed because I was hanging out with people that I needed to be around. So you feel like the, the people that you choose to surround yourself help you find yourself along the way? Yeah, because if you find the right people, they're a reflection of you. That's smart. They say that we're like the top five people that we spend most of our time with. Yeah, absolutely. The people that you surround yourself, even if they're completely different. Like I used to hang out with these kids that my brother, like Justin, hated. Um, these girls because they were um, known to be hoes, and I was like, "Well, I'm not like that. They're just my friends." And he was like, "But people are gonna think you're like that." And I was like, "Well, that's stupid." And I grew up and realized that your friends are a reflection of yourself. So you have to pick carefully and pick what you want to put out there and what you want people to see you as. Do you think that at that time that? You were like wanting to be somewhat of a hoe too, but you were just afraid of stepping outside your shell. Or, <laughs> no. or you just like 
into those girls like you were like man they're hoes they're going maybe maybe i can be like hey what's up <laughs> no i was never interested in anything they were doing just like hanging out was fun just like hanging out at the house was fun but then you know they would go hang out with they were friendly with lots of men yeah and uh that's when it wasn't fun for me but for the most part anytime we were by ourselves just kicking it it was fun hanging out and doing stupid things well but, they say that opposites attract so do you think that the fact that they weren't like you is what made you interested in hanging out with them so that way like you could see the world from a different perspective without having to experience it yourself possibly yeah absolutely i can see that and then in seeing the things that you didn't like helps you find the things that you do like mm -hmm. so you think you needed to hang out with those people to better understand like what you didn't want out of life yeah what i didn't want and what kind of people i wanted to surround myself with and, so and the I, kind of energies so after you found the right people and the right energy like how did your life change uh, it got really good because, I mean, I don't know, it got really good. I finished, I, which isn't like a huge accomplishment, I finished high school, but you know, I went to college and I found other people that were like-minded. I found other black people who were interested in music and, you know, band and choir and color guard. And it wasn't the fact that just black people are interested in those kinds of things. It was just the fact that I had to find the right ones. And so I went to college and... I went to UCA, where there's a whole bunch of black folks. It's not like a black school or anything like that, but there's just a lot but more. It's way different than Fayetteville. Completely different. Right, because in Fayetteville, we had the stairs, and there was like 30 black kids that would kick it on the stairs, but then the other 600 kids in the school were all white. Right. So it's like you felt like that's the clique you had to fit in, whereas like you go to UCA, and it's 600 black kids and 30 white kids and so now like you just flip the script you can be friends with anybody of all different shapes and sizes and all different kind of tastes and backgrounds and then you, you can like find yourself easier there's somebody for everybody in college it is hard to go to college and be a loner i feel it is hard to go to college and feel like you don't have anybody because there is somebody for everybody in college for the first two months i like i cried i called my mom every single day because i was sad and i missed her and then um, this guy that lived down the hall from me, because I lived in the in the first co-ed dorm that was like completely co-ed, where like girls and guys stayed on the same hall, yeah, next door to each other and stuff. And um, he came down to my door and he knocked on my door and he was like, "Do you want to go to lunch?" And I was like, "Sure." Who the fuck are you? And um, so we went to lunch and he became one of my best friends. His name is Grant, and that just changed everything for me. And from there. I met other people, I joined TBS, and met, you know, got to do all kinds of things that I never thought I would do. And um, I don't know, it's just all about finding out what you like to do and not feeling weird for liking what you like to do. There's somebody else that likes it too, you're not always alone. So after college, or after you've like, you know, found yourself, like in what other ways did you find to express yourself outside of just like band and choir? No, I would just get up and travel a lot like sometimes my friends on the weekends or like on a Thursday would hit me up and be like because I, I used to, I would work two jobs and so it was easy to take off on my night job because I would have the weekends off and so my friends one time my friend Leslie hit me up literally at like midnight on a Thursday and was like tomorrow <laughs> do you want to go to Denver and I was like sure okay and so we just started traveling and she became my traveling buddy and uh 
so we just did a lot of stuff together. I really miss her, actually. Um, we just started seeing things together. Do y'all still talk on social media or anything? Yeah, I'm actually texting her today, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> we talk all the time. Does she? Where does she live at? She's in Fayetteville, so when I go home, I'll see her again. Are you excited for that? Because yeah. I know you've been, you've been all over the place talking about traveling. I know you lived in Michigan, you've lived in California, you're about to be moving back to Fort Smith. Yeah, for however long that lasts, I'm um, going to move there, and then who knows, I don't know, I might end up in New York or Texas. I don't know, I just like to move around. The country's big, and I like to see things. Like, not just for like a little bit of time, I like to be there for a while, which is why I was so big on moving to California instead of just going home. Even though California wasn't something that was exactly on my to-do list <laughs> of things in life. Has it been a good experience so far, though? Yeah, California has a lot of cool people. Like, uh, I worked at... It took me a long time to find a job here, and that was extremely frustrating. I would go on multiple interviews a week. I would go on second and third interviews. I would meet, like, the regional managers, and then, like, all of a sudden, I just never heard back. And I was so frustrated for like four months. I was really upset. Until finally I started working at this factory, which I, after I said I would never work at a factory, I started working at Pacific Southwest Container and I met this girl named Frances. And she's just amazing. She's really fun. And uh, she took me lots of places. We went down to Dardanelle, which is close to Yosemite, but not really. Um, and she showed me where she likes to work in the summers, the camp that she works at, because I used to work at camp, summer camps and stuff. And uh, she would take me to Sacramento a lot. She's, she's really like spontaneous. Like one day we were supposed to go get lunch and we were gonna go do it at a, like some hole in the wall in Sacramento. We get there and she's like, hmm, I want my nipples pierced. So we went and got her nipples pierced that day. Hey. <laughs> and then um, there's this cafe uh, in Modesto called the Queen Bean that she likes to go to and on Sunday nights they have open mic nights and you have all these amazing local artists that just come and they showcase their music and they're all really good there's this one girl that I like a lot she's so good what's her name? Annabelle Rogers do you listen to her on like Spot or Spotify or iTunes or anything like that? she has a SoundCloud, SoundCloud. she has Instagram and a SoundCloud follow her regularly uh-huh i downloaded the app just to follow her that's on awesome SoundCloud. gotta support your local artist people dude she's really good have you been to san francisco i haven't been out to the bay oh man i Not feel like yet. san francisco is like the town for you <laughs> it's like the eureka springs of california huh that's what i keep telling that's what i keep hearing that i need to go to the bay I mean, I'll be out there on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. When I catch my plane. Are you flying out from San Francisco? Uh huh. Oh, awesome. You ought to check out a uh, Lyle Tuttle tattoo parlor. It's like where Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin and the Grateful Dead all got their tattoos at. That's in the Bay. Yep. Hmm. I might. I've been wanting a ta another tattoo so bad. I've been itching for one. Uh, this this guy that does my tattoos in Fort Smith is actually having a contest for like sharing things. So like sometimes I'll go to Facebook and I'll share the hell out of his posts. I don't even care that it annoys other people. 
because like if you should like it's like first place gets like a hundred dollars off their tattoo and i'm like man a hundred dollars is a pretty good tattoo like you ought to just slide into dude's dms and be like yo i'm gonna start taking pictures of all the tats that you've given me and i'm just gonna start posting them and tagging you until you give me a hundred dollars off my tattoo what's up <laughs> or i like, got this marketing game going for you <laughs> man i should you never know this is very true so what was the the hardest thing that you've ever had to do in expressing yourself? Like, was it like, you know, telling somebody like, hey, this is just how it is, or like, like cutting friends off, or like, and, and being yourself and staying true to you was the hardest thing that you had to do to do that? I guess it would have to be realizing who's not trying to, you know, progress. Like, who's not trying to do better? So, like, cutting friends off. Because, like, I don't mind helping people out. I love helping people out. Like, literally every job I have has to do with helping people to some sort. Um, so, helping people is really important to me. So, I had a friend who had gotten herself in Florida and had gotten herself homeless because she didn't think it through. And I was like, if you can get back to Arkansas, I'll pick you up from wherever you can get to. Just get back to the state and you can stay with me and get a job and save up your fanny bills. Just save up your money so you could, you know, try it again, but be in a better situation. And so we did that for, I think she was with me for about six months. And in that six months, she went to Ohio to see a guy, got herself stuck in Ohio. So that night, I drove to uh, I drove to well I got I got her to get to Chicago, and I drove to Chicago, picked her up, and drove straight back home and went straight back to work the next day. Um, she got herself in Alabama and got stuck to see another guy, and I went and I picked her up, and I came back home and went straight to work. Um, so this went on for a while, and she worked or whatever. But she really wasn't saving any money and she was becoming a problem like 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 I said before I worked two jobs and the job she got she knew what I was doing before she got there and she knew my work schedule my work schedule is never a secret and so she would always like not tell her bosses about the schedule that she needed so sometimes she would work from noon to nine knowing that I needed to be in Fort Smith by four o'clock to go to work. But I had a really relaxed second job, so if I just needed a day off, I could just call, like, like I, I can't make it today. And they would be like, okay, we'll get somebody else. Like, I was really lucky that it was that relaxed and I didn't get fired, but she just really got to the point to where she was becoming a problem. And when I got to the point to where I was like, this isn't working and I need you to change your schedule, it became a problem. Like, I was a problem. Right. And so... Um, it got to the point where I was like, I'm going to need you to move out. <laughs> like, I'm going to need you to leave. I bet that's a hard conversation. It was, and I was trying to do it in the nicest way possible. I don't, like, it, it went on for six months. It took me six months to be able, like, I need you to go. To work up the confidence. Right. you're, like, a non-confrontational kind of person. Right, and I don't like, I like helping people as much as I can. Like, I hate being like, I'm sorry, I can't do this. Gotta go, bye-bye. She was, and I told her that I would need her to leave, and she said, "No, I'm not going anywhere." 
You're like, uh, excuse me, this like, is my crib. Right, if I tell you I need you to leave, I need you to leave. So I did something that I wasn't exactly proud of, but it was the only way I could have got her to leave. Um, I left her. We both worked in Fayetteville. I got off of work and I drove home. Oh, kill him. I felt bad. I, I was not one of my proudest moments, but I felt bad. I came home and I packed up all of her things and I put them outside. Because you can't tell me that you're not gonna leave my home if I tell you that it's no longer working because you're doing things that are like inconsistent with what you want to do. She wanted to save money so she could move to Florida with her with her kid. She wanted to take her kid to Florida. And she just kept going places like Ohio, Chicago, Louisiana, Alabama. And I'm like, you can't save money if you keep going to see these guys and then get yourself stuck there and you need somebody to come and get you. And I can't keep dropping everything that I'm doing to come and get you. Right. And I can't just keep not going to work because I've set up a lifestyle for myself that like, it's not like I was living paycheck to paycheck, but I couldn't like drop everything I wanted to do and go to Denver or go to Dallas or go to Houston for the weekend just because I wanted to because my paycheck was now cut in half, you know what I mean? Right. So I had to be more intentional about the things I was doing and I couldn't just... So it was really an inconvenience, but I don't want to say it that way, but it was. So did you learn from that that you got to take care of yourself, like, first and foremost, and sometimes, like, helping others could actually be in detriment to yourself? Yeah. She actually wasn't the first time that something had happened of the sort. She was just, like, the final straw of, like, yes, you have to take care of yourself first. Um because I room I roommate with roommated with a friend um, from college. She wanted to get out of her town in east in northeastern Arkansas, and um, so she came down and we had this place together, and we just had certain things set up and bills and who was going to pay what and you know like how to disperse the money. And so usually she gave me her part of the rent money and I just went and paid the rent and then I gave her like the electric bill money and stuff like that but one weekend I was going out of town for something and I couldn't back out of it so I just had to leave and so it was September last year September 2016 not last year um I gave her my part of the rent money so that I could go and do what I needed to do and then literally like two hours after I left, I get a text message from my landlord who's like, this is unacceptable. And I was like, what are you talking about? She had taken my rent money and left and told the landlord that she would be moving and couldn't afford the rent anymore. And she would like out of the contract. And I was like, what? So I couldn't get a hold of her. She blocked me on everything. I had no way of talking to her. She took my money and she left and he knew I couldn't afford to pay like another $800 on top of the $400 I had just given her. And um, he was actually really nice. He gave me, he was like, I can give you three weeks to get your stuff out or whatever, blah, blah, blah. My mom had just moved across the street. So he was like, yeah, you can go to your mom's and we'll just rent this one back out. He didn't turn you into collections or... 
like breach of lease or anything. He just let it go. I got really lucky. That um, is really lucky. So Arkansas has like some of the worst like renters' rights in the entire country. Because he knew how he, I think he felt bad because he knew how hard I was working. Because like I would get up in the morning and leave my house at 5 a.m. to be at work by 6 and work from 6 to 3, get off at 3, drive right back to Fort Smith and work from 4 to midnight. It's like I was working all the time and he knew that. Yeah. So I think he just like felt bad. And honesty is the best policy. You just told him what was up. Yeah, I was like, clearly I didn't know she was going to do this. I gave her the money for the rent. She took it and she dipped. And so he was a lot more understanding than I expected him to be. That's really good. So aside from the histories of having to cut people off, it seems like you've, you know, been Edward Scissorhands a lot in your lifetime. <laughs> what, what have been some other struggles that you've had to overcome aside from not being able to be black with black people that you went to school with? What's, what's some other stuff? Well, I mean, my parents weren't together but I don't think that that held me back or anything because my dad, as long as he could have been, was very active in my life. So, I mean, he was there. He was very, like, I, th I feel like even though they weren't, like, together or married, I was really lucky because a lot of people don't get that. Yeah. Like, fathers tend to bounce or, you know, sometimes moms tend to bounce. But my dad was there, and so I feel lucky on that. Um, it wasn't until I got older that uh, I realized how serious his illness was. And then I started uh, being more intentional with that. I don't know, I try to tell people like, cause sometimes people like be mad at their parents or be mad at their mom. I'm like, man, you better love your mom. <laughs> like, right. She could go tomorrow, you better tell her you're sorry. You do not want that to be the last conversation. Which I think is a big part on why I want to go home right now. How long have you been gone from being around your mom? I left um, October 14th of last 2017. So I've been gone for almost a year. And what did you leave home for? To take care of my dad. Because his cancer progressed and he couldn't walk anymore. And so he needed a caregiver. And... Um, it started out being FMLA leave, and uh, it turned into me just resigning. Well, luckily they're going to give you your job back now. Right. I was really lucky. Um, I've never actually tried to go back to an employer, besides you. <laughs> I don't really count. I'm family. <laughs> this is true. But I don't really try to go back to an employer, and I didn't think that they would have given me my job back, which is why I didn't bring it up until my friend um, that works at the hospital, Leslie, brought it up to uh, my boss, and my boss texted me, like, same day and was like, what day are you coming home? And I was like, sometime in the middle of August, whenever I have enough money saved, she was like, let me know when you have a day so I can know when to put the application on, like, when to, put the, when to post the position online. I was like okay so I told her a couple weeks later and then two weeks ago she calls me at like 7 a.m. our time so it's like 5 a.m. in Fayetteville and she's like the position's up will you go apply and I was like yeah and so I did it and an hour later it was down and I was on the phone with HR nice like it was really nice she gave you that inside connect <laughs> so 
was really lucky that they did that because they needed somebody in that spot for like two months and they just waited and just dealt with it. Not a lot of people would do that. Right. You kind of had extenuating circumstances. I mean, you left to take care of your dad and then, you know, after he passed away, you being like, hey, I'm ready to go back. Of course, they're going to be like, okay, you know, we understand. And so I, I see why, like, you know, taking care of those relationships is so important because... You know, you could have very easily been like, well, I live with my mom the whole time and my dad wasn't here all the time. And But instead, like, you chose the the bigger, more mature route of, you know, understanding and then, like, getting to know what was really up and then finding out for yourself, like, especially being in the medical field yourself, like, the severity of your dad's illness and then, you know, going to be a caregiver for him because you like to take care of people. So, like, you got to fill, you know, multiple roles. You got to spend time with your father. You got to understand where he was coming from, learn all of, like, your own history, and be the person who was there with him pretty much until the end, you know? Yeah. And then, so now that you've learned that and how valuable those relationships are, like, you're ready to, like, go get back in touch with your mom again, too, because you want to make sure that, like, you always are on good terms with, like, everybody that you love and care about. At least that's my perspective of it. Right, because they can be gone. Like they're, they can be gone so fast. I know that I'm trying to do a better job of staying connected to my family. Like, I called my grandma on her 81st birthday, and then on the way to the airport in Tulsa, I called her and talked to her just because I had so much fun talking to her on her birthday. Then it made me think that I need to like talk to the rest of my family more often, like that too now. Right. Uh, my, me and my grandma like haven't always been on the best terms because grandma's just I don't know she, they're supposed to be really great but she chose favorites so it just took me a while to get there and then when I grew up I realized that she's just old and she's in her ways and so um, every now and then I call her and every and I have a good conversation with her all the time it's always a good nice conversation we're always laughing and stuff no, even though we're not as close as I'd like to be um, but maybe that could change when I go home does she live with your mom? She does. My mom's taking care of her. That's good. Y'all seem to have that, like, it's like an in-the-family kind of thing. <laughs> your mom takes care of her parents. You take care of your parents. We are a no-nursing-home kind of family. Right. We don't do nursing homes or anything like that. How long did Justin take care of your dad? Uh, my dad lived with Justin for four years. I know whenever I went up to Michigan to see Justin. Six years. Four, six years. Daddy was living with him then. Because he, uh, he had another scare before. Uh, it was in 20... I don't know if it was in 2012 or 2013, but it was my freshman year of college. And um, it was the first time that his cancer had progressed and had grown a tumor on his spine and he couldn't walk. And um, after his surgery, the doctors didn't think he would walk at that time either. But he did, literally, like, three or four days later. He got the movement back in his legs. Oh, yeah, because he's a trooper. Right, which is why it was so hard for him the last time to believe that. Because he was like, oh, no, last time the doctors told me that that wasn't true. Except the last time was, you know, final. He didn't walk again after that. But, yeah, my dad was super headstrong his whole life. Do you think that's part of the reason why he was finally just like, man, fuck this? 
it's like whenever he realized like people were all gonna have to take care of him he wasn't gonna be able to walk on his own you know he was just like all right I'm here with my kids I'm happy uh, you know I'm like willing to just like let go like be out of the pain yeah uh, I know it bothered him a lot because he would always apologize or tell me that it's not my job or not my responsibility and I'm like but it is though like, right. Well, at that time, it was. You had made yourself that. Right. But, like, your dad loves you, you know, and he wants more for you than to, you know, be his nurse. But, I mean, that's just life. Sometimes it happens. You deal with it, and you just keep on going. I just know me personally. Like, I want to always be able to walk on my own two feet. And if, you know, if I know that I'm that headstrong and I've overcome this before, and, like, now this time I'm not, you know what I mean? It's almost like... I'd almost be like broken hearted with myself. It would yeah. be hard for me to keep that like headstrong resolve to like keep pushing forward, especially if I'd already felt like I had like completed my life, you know, like. And he was in the hospital every other week, so and he just got really tired of doctors and hospitals and he was just like, we're not coming back. And feeling like a burden for y'all, you know? But he wasn't, that was like what I came to do. Right. It's not a burden if it's literally in the job description and I was trying to explain that I was like that is what I came here for it's not a problem but one day we went to the ER and he was like we're not coming back he was like I was like ever he was like no nah, we're not doing this anymore he, I think at that point he just made his decision you know your dad was always a really intelligent person I don't think I ever was around I didn't see him reading the newspaper <laughs> or like playing some chess or something you know right so it's like I think he like he just decided and made up his mind it was like I know that I'm gonna be happier and I'm gonna find like peace and be done with my suffering and I'll be able to like you know watch over my kids in a way where they don't have to watch over me and I think he just would rather have chose that path at that point. Like, whenever he decided he didn't want to go to the doctor anymore. Yeah. Like, it was his choice. It wasn't like, you know, he wasn't, like, beat. Like, it wasn't like cancer took him or whatever. It was like, he was like, all right, Lord, call me up. Right. You know what I mean? I think that's really admirable. It's like having 100%, like, belief in your faith. And I, I mean, at his when he passed, I don't even think it was the cancer that killed him. He um, he had an infection that was really bad, and um, the doctors just didn't think that he was well suited for the treatment that it would take, so nobody would do it. Yeah. So I think he died from the infection, and actually not even the cancer, which sucks. Right. But at the same time, if he had already made up his mind that. You know, he was just done with that shit. Then it like, doesn't matter what the real cause was. The cause was, was that... He just decided he didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah, he was tired of it, which is it's understandable. It takes a lot of courage. I try to always find the bright side in like, people passing away. Because especially, you know, life is suffering. Like, we go through so much, like, suffering in life. That is true. And so many people are afraid of dying. And I feel like one of the best things that you can do with yourself is, like, just not be afraid. I mean, whatever it is, the end of the tunnel is what it is. But 
you've got to have that like faith that you know everything's gonna be okay yeah that's hard to have though um because i'm afraid to die i'm not even gonna lie um i'm terrified of death but i know it's gonna come at some point well what makes you afraid of dying i don't know just the thought of like not being here like what happens when i don't wake up again you know what i mean like it's just the unknown that's scary to me there's so many things in life that you don't know. So it's like you can't walk around life living in fear. But those so are unknowns that I can find out. You wouldn't want to live out. in eternity in fear either, you know? Well, I mean, but those are unknowns I can find out. I didn't know how California was going to be, but I moved here and I found out. Well, as soon as I you die, die, you'll find out. I, but I can't come back. You don't have to. Once I die, that's over, it's over with. Okay. That's like the end of it. <laughs> so what's there to worry about? There's nothing you're gonna be able to do about it. That's true. The one, the one thing you do know is, is whatever pain that you have on this world is no longer gonna exist after life. That's true. So to me, that's the, that's the best part right there. I mean, if if I was living with pain, if I was struggling, in in some way that was, you know, completely out of my control, and I'm just like wanting to be put out of my misery or whatever, then. If death comes, then it's like, take me, you know, because like I'm not afraid of giving up all this pain. You can have this shit. Let's get it off, you know, get it off my chest. Let's go. Right. I can feel that. But I think there's so many people there. They're so afraid of dying that they, they like live through that pain and they, they put that pain on other people around them and all that. And then so it, it just creates this, you know, negative environment. And I feel like when people, they're like upset that they lose someone or whatever, it's like, it's almost like a selfishness, you know? They're like, well, I want the person here with me. I want them to still be here with me. Well, what if that motherfucker doesn't want to be suffering no more? You know, you're not thinking about it from their perspective. Right. And I feel like, you know, people need to, to always look at death as some form of a positive light because... If you have any faith at all in any kind of religion or any kind of like spirit being, to me, death is really interesting because you get to live for eternity or you're reincarnated or whatever it may be, you're going to get answers to, you know, some of life's biggest questions, what happens when we die? And so it almost makes me jealous of people who pass away because it's like, what if all the knowledge in the universe you know instantly? Every question you've ever asked is answered as soon as you pass away. I never thought about that. So, like, even in life or death, it's all, like, how we choose the perspective to be that determines, like, how we feel about it emotionally. That's why I looked at the thing. I was like, it's been a minute since I looked at this GPS. I wonder where we are. I don't know. I never thought about it that way. It's just scary to think that one day you're here and the next you're not. And then everybody just moves on. I would want everybody to move on. I, that's what I'm getting at. Like, 
I don't want people to miss me because I feel like that's not healthy for them. Like the best thing that you could do for me if I were to pass away is to still have the happiest life that you can possibly have and try to remember me and tell the best stories about me that you can. Anything that makes you happy is what I want to hear about, you know. I yeah. want people to to know the good things about me after I'm gone and keep me alive by my name and by my actions as long as possible. They say that we, we die twice in life. We die whenever our physical body passes away and we die whenever people stop talking about us and our name no longer exists and no one has memory of us anymore. Like in the movie Coco. Have you ever so seen sad, that? Yeah. So it's like that's what keeps people living on. Is the spirit, you know? And you want to remember people's spirit of positivity and you want to remember their spirit of, you know, the bad times. The majority of people want to remember the good times, but if when we think about someone it makes us feel bad. I know if I was looking on, you know, as a ghost or an angel or spirit or whatever it may be, and every time someone thinks about me, you know, they get sad. I'd want, the, I'd want them to stop thinking about me as soon as possible. So I want you to be happy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and just let me die. Let me <laughs> let me go ahead and not even be a ghost anymore. I don't need to be a poltergeist if it's going to make you happy. <laughs> you know, let me go, bro, for real. I don't know. I mean, I'm happy that he's not in pain. It just sucks that he had to go. What are some of your best experiences with your father that you think are going to live on in your mind forever? I mean, anytime that he taught me anything, he was the first person that took me fishing and taught me how to like bait a hook. Um, he taught me how to make biscuits by hand. Uh, he taught me a lot of stuff. So you're gonna slide me that biscuit recipe, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he taught me how to make biscuits from scratch. I didn't know he taught you how to go fishing, so we're gonna have to go fishing sometime now. Yeah. Okay. I'd be down. But. Yeah, he's the first person that took me fishing. He actually is the first person that taught me how to drive, technically. Uh, he had the little red... Ford Escort to Justin Wreck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and we would go to Helena sometimes, and uh, my grandma lived on Pecan Road, and it was just this road that led to nowhere, really. Um, it had a park down at the end, and you could like do a little loop, and he'd let me drive down to the park and back. Mm -hmm. And so really, he's the one who taught me how to drive at like 10. <laughs> I think everybody learned how to drive earlier than what we were supposed to, you know, right. ride in our parents' lap, not being able to work the wheel or right. the, the But he's the one pedals. that did that, not my yeah. mom. I did that with my dad. That's awesome. So fishing, driving, learning how to make cat heads. Y'all call them cat heads or biscuits? Biscuits. I've no country people call I've biscuits cat heads, Never right? heard of cat heads. Really? Never, ever, ever So there's a food heads. truck on Dixon even called cat heads that serves biscuits. I've never heard that. Wow, I've yes, never heard it's a country thing. Maybe it's just some white people shit, but <laughs> I've never heard that ever. <laughs> Did he teach you how to play chess? I know your dad taught me how to play chess. He didn't because he was a truck driver, so a lot of times that he was gone, um, I actually had a neighbor, and her dad had this really cool glass chess set, and he taught me how to play chess. And then when my mom, my dad came home, we could play chess together because I already knew how to play. Nice. See, y'all yeah, had AOL before anybody did. <laughs> and so I came over to your house one day 
and your dad's on the computer playing chess online with somebody and Justin and I were both like whoa like what's that like you're you're playing the computer and he's like no I'm playing another person and we're like what <laughs> and he's like yeah and it was probably the you know the same as us playing like chess with friends now on our phone or something it was like a really but it was simple new. thing yeah but it was it was on the internet like we hadn't experienced the internet like that before and your dad was like ahead of the game because he's so <laughs> smart and so like, he taught Justin and I how to play chess and I've always been a, a chess addict thanks to your dad I have a chess board on my countertop in my apartment that's awesome uh, he's the reason I know how to actually read a map uh, <laughs> well being a truck driver you know he's got to read a lot of maps I right. bet and then he, made he was sure doing that, it before navigation right and he made sure that we knew how to read a map so that we never got lost no matter what yeah Right. I mean, hey, look at you reading the map for me right now. <laughs> but it's on a phone. It's digital. It don't matter. Thanks, Pop. <laughs> but yeah, it was important too. I forgot where I went. I don't remember. Oh, I went. Where did I go? I went somewhere, and our phone map wasn't working, and so we had to pull off and we had to buy a map. And everyone was like, "Oh, I don't know how to read a map." And I was like, "Well, then somebody else is going to have to drive if I have to read the map." <laughs> Right. I can't read the map and drive. I'm not trying to kill this man. You gotta put your seatbelt on. I don't wanna fuck around. So we just drove and I like navigated us back home and they were like, how'd you do that? And I was like, just read it. Because my dad taught me how to read this big ass map. <laughs> right, Rand McNally for the win. And then which made college even easier because I started out as a music major, but then I figured I didn't like it all. I didn't like having lessons and stuff like that, so I just switched to something I liked, which was geography, and so it made geography extremely easy, uh, because reading maps wasn't difficult for me, so when I got to cartography and we had to start, like, making maps, it was a class that I actually excelled in. So did you graduate college? I didn't. Are you um, going to? I want to. If you graduate college, what do you want to do? I want to go back and I want to get a master's degree in global information systems, and then I want to work for the city in community and economic development and help build a more economically stable city. Nice. Did you ever play SimCity growing up since y'all had a computer and shit? <laughs> yes. Yeah? I used to love Sims. That's awesome. Yeah, I just want to work wherever I am and help build the city in the best ways possible. Because you like helping people, you might as well help millions, right? Right. But I'd really like to start in like really uh, urban places and places that aren't, you know, that well off. So you're going to go back to West Helena and get it popping? Do we turn left or right here? We turn left. Alright. Um, I probably won't move to West Helena. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably not a thing I want to do. If I can work remotely for them, I would do that. Nice. So are your mom and dad both from West Helena, or is it just your mom? Helena, West Helena. They're technically two different places, but they're the same place, if you ask me. But they're both from, from down there. Nice. It's just one side was a little bit nicer than the other side, but they're basically the same spot. Hey, the west side of any city is crazy. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> the west side was a nice side. What? Yeah, West Helena was nicer than Helena. No way. Yeah, dude. West Helena's way nicer. Every city I've lived in, the west side is the ghetto. Mama's from West Helena. West Helena is nicer than Helena. Nice. 
Is West Helena in Arkansas though, and East Helena is in Mississippi? No, what? it's all in Arkansas. It is? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's just really close to the border. But it's all in Arkansas. Close to Mississippi and close to Memphis, just as that. It's like right on the river. Mm-hmm. Just depends on what way you want to go. Uh, that's actually how I learned about levees, because my dad lived really close to the levee. That's uh, where my grandma lived. And I was like, what is over on the other side? He was like, the river keeps the water out so I know we were talking earlier about you know figuring out what you want to do and how you're going to do it well now that you've told me exactly what it is that you want to do how are you going to do it can I go back to the school yep what's your goal well FAFSA says I need to make six consecutive payments towards because um, I didn't even know that I took out a loan I'm over here like I have no student loans and blah 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 I did I took out a loan and I didn't know about it so I need to make six consecutive payments on that, and they will give me, you know, financial aid again. My biggest hurdle is paying off UCA because the last, the reason I stopped going to school was because um, my junior year, something was wrong with my mom's taxes. Like, from what she was submitting to FAFSA was different from what they had, and it wasn't matching up. And it was taking too long to get it matched up, and I was building a bill that I couldn't pay off. And it was about to get to the point where I needed to start paying. So I was like, I can't, I don't have any money to pay this, so I just stopped going. And so I owe them about $4,000, which isn't a lot, but it's more than I have. And so if you were to pay them $4,000, you'd be able to go to college? Yeah, you have to I just pay them anything to get started? I have to pay them the $4,000 so I can get my transcripts and start again. Alright, so hustle mode on. <laughs> Gotta make four G's real quick, like. <laughs> and then once you get that done. And make six consecutive payments to fast, but I can go back to school. Nice. So it's not a lot, it's just the fact that I have to do it and somehow work it around paying bills. So you're gonna get a whiteboard going, you're gonna write out like a big thermometer that's like, I gotta pay this much, and, and as it as your debt cools off and you get closer and closer to zero, you're gonna start like applying for your stuff and figuring out where you're gonna go and all that? Yeah. Nice. I was doing okay at first. I don't even know how much I owe them right now because for a while, when I was back at home before I like left, I was working two jobs, like I said, and I was paying them, you know, $200 a paycheck for a while. I don't even know how much I owe them at this point. I need a call to find out. We're supposed to turn right up here? Uh, left. Left, all right. pay FAFSA anything because I didn't know for the longest time that I even had a loan with them. I tried to go get a car once and that's how I found out. He was like, you have a student loan you're not paying on? And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, it shows you have a student loan. So I called um, the university and I got the number to apparently the collections agency it went to. And um, I was like, damn, I didn't even know. But those payments don't even have to be big. They can be small payments of $25. Yeah. I just started sending them $25 like every time I had $25. <laughs> just be making that 1% improvement we were talking about. Right. Just get it, get it going. And then you'll feel good about yourself every time you send that check off. Like, I'm one step closer to my goal. I'm one step closer to my goal. I'm one step closer to my goal. This is true. 
but I wasn't in that mindset before. Like I told you, I'm always worrying about things. I'd always like make a payment somewhere like to UCA and I'd be like, oh, I'm never gonna get there. I'll never pay it off. It's not decreasing. You know, I'd always like, I don't know. It's easier for me to see the things that aren't happening versus the things that are. Right. I think it's like that for everybody. It's, it is hard to change our mindset to see what's better. I know, like I said earlier, for me, it takes, you know, writing those things down and then every day, like, looking back at, like, what I accomplished the day before, like, what my goals are for today, and then writing down, like, what I'm grateful for. And, I mean, it's very seldomly that I'm grateful because I accomplished my goal the day before, but it's not, you know, out of the realm of possibilities. Usually, I find things that I'm grateful for just because I'm like actually impressed with something that I was able to accomplish you know like I'm happy with myself that I came out here for Justin's birthday I'm happy with myself that you know we found the time to go do something together I'm happy that we're getting to you know record a interview right now for the podcast <laughs> I forgot that was recording to be honest <laughs> I mean you sh- and that's what happens it's like we do things that are good for us and then we forget about them we get distracted by all the things that aren't good for us because we feel like it's a problem that needs to be solved. Right. But problems are going to come and go. And whenever you solve one problem, another problem is going to come and take its place. So instead of worrying about solving all your problems, just do what you can do and be happy with what you got. And know that as long as you keep being better than what you were yesterday, you know, no matter how many problems it is that you have, like you're still moving forward. That's true. My mom would always still turn right here. Um, my mom always tells me that because, like, at the slightest inconvenience or any time I get over one thing and something else happens, I always call and I'm freaking out. And she was like, "You really can't do that. Like, you can't freak out every time something goes wrong. Like, if, if I freaked out every time something went wrong, or if I was upset every time something went wrong, I would never be happy." My mom tells me that like at least once a month because like every time something goes wrong, I freak out or I get really upset. And she's like, "You really need to calm down." Well, I mean, if your house was if your house caught on fire and you started freaking out and you were scared to move because the house is on fire, you're gonna, you know, die in that burning house. Yeah, but I mean... You just gotta make a move. You gotta make a decision and move forward for the best, you know, for your your best self. Just like having to cut the friends off, you gotta cut off the negative thoughts. Like, your inner thoughts and your inner talk are like your best friends. And if your inner talk and your best friends are, you know, telling you to do things that don't coincide with your goals and your dreams, then you gotta just, you know, yeah, they're gonna keep talking, but you just don't give it any merit. Yeah. You can literally just tell that shit to shut the fuck up. <laughs> Listen to the stuff that's actually, like, benefiting you and the thought comes in and be like, oh, yeah, I like that one, yeah, let me... Let me pluck that one out of what's passing by my mind right now. Right. Because, like, we aren't our thoughts. Like, we're just witnessing our thoughts take place. Like, the thoughts are going to be happening in all different directions of our brain. We pick which ones we want to turn into reality. This is true. I can vibe with that. I think they have a stop sign. All right. Better safe than sorry, you know. I feel you. I'm in Justin's truck. I'd hate for somebody to run into this shit. I feel you. It's always better safe than sorry. Anything else you could think about? No. <laughs> not really. 
Oh, is that a train? That yeah. like a passenger train? Yeah, that's like the Amtrak's. They're like $22. You I've can never go to seen San Francisco. I've always seen like the cargo trains, but I've never actually seen like the ones that carry people. So you could ride that to Los Angeles for like 50 bucks. That's what's Yeah. So, so far, California has been a good experience. Think you're going to miss it when you're gone? Yeah. But I think I'll like being at home too. You have more friends at home? Yeah, I have more friends at home, but I mean, all these people keep telling me like, I'm so excited, I can't wait till you get home. We'll see if that, you know, turns into action when I get home. Cause I would have that same thing happen when I went to UCA and I'd come back to Fayetteville to visit and then I'd hit some people up and I'd never hear from them. And I'm like, oh, won't hit you up next time kind of thing. Right. So we'll just see who responds and who doesn't. People are quick to tell you that they miss you on over a text message or on social media. But then whenever you make the haul there, it's all of a sudden they're all busy or can't respond or they're not in town or just something random. Right. I feel like people do that out of like necessity. It's kind of like when you see someone and they're like, oh, how's the weather? Like, how's your kids? Like, how's your wife? Like, how's your family? Like... Those are all like pre-programmed responses that you think that that's what you're supposed to do to show that you care about someone, but you don't You don't actually really give a fuck. Right, and I mean, if that's how you feel, you know. Just be real. Be real, you don't, you don't even have to hit me up. You don't even have to act like you care. I feel that. It's not gonna I, hurt my feelings at all, actually. Right, it'll actually save me a lot of thought not thinking about how I'm going to kick it with you or how I'm going to add you into my loop whenever I come into town. If right. you're just going to be blowing me off anyway, I can just write that one off as one less thing to worry about. Right. It's more time in my day right. than I have. Everybody needs more time for themselves. I feel like a lot of people don't take the time to dive into their own thoughts and develop you know, their mind in the way that they want to have their mindset so busy like having this collective mind of what we think that everyone else thinks that we should be or what else that we should think and then so we try to be that instead of taking the time to figure out who we are on the inside and what we really want like what we, we really stand for I know there's this old country song that said uh, you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything yeah you've got to be your own man not a puppet on a string that and that's true they'll turn left up here we're in Riverbank now we're almost home yeah well thanks for talking to me I'm gonna do my best interview you again check in on you see how far you've gotten along on your goals be looking for some improvement all right everybody as always one love